Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to One Man and His Cabin Fever. Welcome to episode eight. And from the beautiful country of Scotland, let me say, aye, aye, man, how's it going? Uh, I'm not really sure why I've said that, but anyway. Uh, yeah, we're on episode eight now of One Man and His Cabin Fever. I am in the cabin this week. Uh, the reason I'm in the cabin this week is the weather is actually not too bad. It's looking pretty good out there. And if I'm brutally honest, I'm sweating. I'm absolutely sweating. Uh, I've just come back from uh, the park in Newton Hill, Connor, Drew and Callum. And uh, we were playing basketball. Connor has now uh, decided that he wants to be playing basketball. So we went and got him a basketball and we went there for a while. And I've came back and I'm just, uh, I'm knackered. Um, so I've come out to the cabin where it's slightly cooler in order to cool down. So uh, had a lot of fun today, a lot of exercise today. I'm, I'm actually uh, impressed with how much steps and exercise I've managed to do today. So uh, welcome. Um, thank you to everyone who continues to tune into this podcast. Um, as the weeks go on, it seems to fluctuate. Some weeks more people listen than others, and I know that some people are, you know, uh, got a lot of got busy lives and can't always listen. But uh, they're there, and they're there for anyone who wants to listen at any time. And I really do appreciate. It. I say every week, uh, and I'll keep saying it. Um, thank you, thank you for the taking taking the time to listen to this. So it's just me this week. Uh, the the pleasure of having uh, the lovely Laura on last week, which was great. Um, and I didn't get any messages from any friends or anything saying they want to join this week, so uh, back to me. Um, Drew did say that he was available, but I didn't think that uh, people would want to just sit and listen to Drew talk about football for 45 to 50 minutes. And you can hear in the background, cats are fighting. Yeah, so listen to that. There's two cats scrapping somewhere. And it's just setting my dogs off. So Sully's going nuts. He's barking his ass off. Maisie will probably bark forever now. This is what happens when the weather gets better. Uh, animals come out, start roaming about. Am I going to have to go and uh, give him a boot in his bollocks? If he had any bollocks. Let's see if he calms down. Looks like he's... Oh no, Maisie's still going. Never mind. Well, crack on. Um, you're just going to have to maybe put up with a little bit of dog barking in the background. Um, so, yeah, um, thank you to everyone who's listened and continues to listen. It's much appreciated. Um, this week, I've kind of, I'm unprepared, if I'm honest. I'm very unprepared. So this could be a disaster or it could be a moment of genius. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, usually, I, as the week goes on, I try and... Uh, note things that I want to talk about or note things that have piqued my interest but literally what I've done is 10 minutes before I've come on here I've thought right actually what's what do I want to say this week you know what is happening in the world um, or what is happening with me I suppose first of all um, that dog's doing mine on never mind so this week's been a, it's a, a bizarre week this week in the world which we'll get to I suppose the first thing <clears throat> I want to touch on is thanks to Laura for last week for coming on. Again, a great conversation with Laura. Lost my train of thought because I just paused this and uh, 
went inside and uh, I told Sully to shut his face. He was a little barking ass. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not really prepared that this week. It's, uh, I suppose, there's enough happened in the week, to be honest, that uh, I didn't need to prepare. I've had so much conversations about stuff. Um, Meghan Markle, Harry, uh, we'll get on to that, because that's, that's blown up this week, and that's something that, uh, you know, it's split the nation, apparently. Although I've not spoken to anyone who who has a difference of opinion on what I'm thinking, but uh, we'll get to that. So, really, I suppose, let's just kind of touch on uh, my physical health, my mental health, how, how have I been, you know, well, Covid, the, the restrictions kind of eased yesterday, we went out for a walk today and there seems to be a lot more people around, um, around the area, you know, uh, people visiting their parents and uh, the grandkids are there and you see them walking about, which was actually really nice to see, I think you become used to, you become used to just seeing the same old people in their family, uh, family bubble. Um, but outside that family bubble, there's a lot of people seem to be visiting people today, so it's it's been really nice walking about the, the village and seeing uh, loads of different people um, visiting and going for walks, especially in such nice weather. So uh, I've had a I've had a pretty good week. Um, you know, I was in a really really bad place when I started doing these. Um, you know, when I say a bad place, a bad place for me. There's a lot of people out there who are far worse than, than me and have got much more issues than I have but you know for me I was I was really struggling um, and I've kind of found my groove just now found a groove of what works for me um, I seem to be certain things that would have bothered me before don't bother me now I seem to be able to control my reaction to it as opposed to you know uh, the other person con- you know controlling my reaction so I always kind of describe people in, in two camps. You've got people who, they're like a tiger. They're just reactive and they strike. Uh, or you've got people who are like a dragon uh, and they think before they strike. And I'm probably, I would say, at this minute in time, more like the dragon. Uh, I'm controlling how I react to situations and taking a moment to think about, right, listen, let's just gather all the facts, gather all the data. Not, not just with work, but you know, with my personal life, with my health anxiety, with my mental health, just trying to take a step back from that cliff edge that sometimes I end up going to um, and taking that step back and actually thinking rationally is, come on, what is actually going on here? Um, and it's, 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 it's refreshing. I'm finding myself actually laughing a lot more than I have done in a long time. And that's not because things are any funnier than they were. I think my mind was just so clouded and fogged with bullshit and noise of what was, you know, not really important. Th- they were, in, to me, they were important, but they were they were clouding my judgment, clouding my mind, and I couldn't concentrate. And now it's like I can almost see clearly. And uh, I'm having a lot more free space in my brain for, for other things. So... I'm really, like I said, I'm really in a good moment just now. Um, hopefully it stays like this, you know, hopefully I can continue to um, be in this good moment. I'm sure there'll be challenges ahead, there always have been, you know. This is this is not the end for me, I suppose. I've been 
struggling with anxiety and rage and all sorts of things since the age of 18 and I'm 43 now so uh, I don't think it'll ever go away but if I can learn to control it and uh, not let it control me I'll be in a much better place and I think that's where I am just now I'm really kind of chuffed for where I am just now uh, and that, listen that's taking some hard work that's taken some hard work that's taken me to realize that I've got the issue because I could have just carried on as normal um, and this could have been my life forever, you know, panicking, anxiety, nerves, anger, all those things would have been normal, um, but they shouldn't be normal, and uh, I've, I've taken time to try and fix them, uh, whether that's through medication, whether that's through talking to someone, uh, but, you know, I've, I've, I've admitted I've got the problem, and I think, you know, any kind of addiction, because that's what that's what my health anxiety can be. It's an addiction. You can become addicted to worry. You can become addicted to that anxious feeling. And uh, I needed to take that step and say, right, I don't want to be like this anymore. It wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for anyone around me. I was, uh, you know, people could see that I was struggling. So I'm in a good place just now. Um, the house is happy, and that's not just because I'm happy, but the house is happy. It's happier, but uh, people are, you know, Laura's not as worried about me as she was, so that takes a bit of pressure off of her, uh, and she deserves to have a bit of pressure taken off her because she's done a fabulous job in the last, uh, in the last four or five months with me. So I, I really am happy with my progress, um, and we'll just need to see how it goes. And and I I do believe these podcasts make a difference. Like I said, I don't care if anyone listens me just being able to sit here and have a chat to myself um, helps helps massively because I can talk about it it's not scripted this is just me talking I've got nothing in front of me um, I just rattle off shite so let's hope that keeps going um, when we're talking about mental health I, you know, I'm not going to mention any names on here but I get messages from people who I care about and I've known for a long time and I can see how they're struggling with issues that are going on in their life. And one of the things that is really close to my heart is, is being a father. You know, I get people telling me, you know, uh, they, they, they're really impressed with how I cope, how I cope with being a father um, because I always put the kids first. That's just how it is. That's why I was raised. So that's how I raise my my boys, or or you know, um, Drew, Jamie, Lexi. They're first, yeah, before I am. Connor and Callum as well. You know, obviously, it goes without saying they're, they they go before me. But what worries me is when a father is a good father, who takes the time to be there for their child, um, you know, and is proud of being a father. You know, none of these people who don't pay their maintenance or uh, pretend that they're they're decent and stuff like that. I know loads of people who, you know, they like the thought of being a father more than actually being a father. And I know um, I've bumped into a few of these people in my time. But when, when you've got someone who you know is a good dad uh, and you can see that they're mentally and physically going downhill at the thought of not seeing you know, their child, and no matter what you say to them, 
they can't see the light. They can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, twice in my life, um, I have, you know, been in that situation where um, I've, you know, I've got two boys um, to two different mums, and uh, twice in my life I've, I've been, uh, I've come out of the relationship. Um, and then you think to yourself, you know, how does that work? You know, am I a, am I a failure? You're not. It takes it takes a bit of strength to say, well, actually, no, I'm not a failure. Just because I'm not in that relationship relationship doesn't mean I'm not a good dad. It's got nothing to do with me being a father, uh, and I class myself uh, as a as a as a very good dad because I'm always there. I'm always asking questions. I always do what I think is best for for the boys. So, if you're listening to this, and you're in a situation where, you know, you think that you're in a relationship, that relationship might be coming to an end, and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, that means I'm coming to an end. It doesn't. It doesn't. You can be just as good a father without being with the mother. Being with the mother doesn't mean you're any better a father that just means you're better at the relationship or the relationship's working better than other people's being a father is independent of that it's the time that you take to spend with your son or daughter it's the you know it's it's how you approach that situation it's making sure that you do everything right you know and uh, i try my best to do everything right i'm not perfect not at all but i damn well sure try every time to make the best of the time I've got with the boys and uh, make sure that they're as happy as they possibly can be without being spoiled. So any any guys out there who's thinking, you know, if my partner leaves me and takes the child, it's the end of my life, what am I going to do, where will I stay, what... Listen, don't worry about it. I know that's easy to say, but trust me, I've been through this. Don't worry about it yes it's painful yes it hurts it's not the norm it's not what you're used to but you'll be fine your son will or daughter will love you no less whether you're there seven days a week or you're there two days a week and what i found is you know you can be there every day of the week and the time that you actually spend isn't that great a quality but when you have the, your child with you um, for maybe two, three, four days a week, five days a week or a holiday, then the time becomes better quality because you're focused on it. Sometimes you can take it for granted um, and you should never take it for granted. But just because a relationship ends doesn't mean that your relationship with your son or daughter ends. Absolutely not. There is a way forward. There's always a way forward. And uh, no matter how dark it seems at that moment, it will get brighter. It absolutely will, because that's the lowest point you'll be at. And once you hit that lowest point, the only way you can go is back up. Yes, there'll be trials. Yes, there'll be challenges of, you know, contact, this, that, you know, loads of different things. But those will get fixed. And then once all that's fixed, when you've got that one-on-one -on -one time with your son and daughter, trust me, it will be better one-on-one -on -one time than you've ever had before it absolutely will be 
So like I said, I know there's a few people out there just now who've messaged me about certain different things and and if you listen to this, trust me, I've done it, I've been there, I've got t-shirts, um, whatever's a, whatever your way to go through, I've been through. And I can, I can only tell you from my experience that I think I'm in a much better place now than I've ever been in my life. So... Take positives from that. Don't look at it as a bad thing. Change should never be looked at as a bad thing. Yes, you want your life to continue. Yes, you want it to be as it always was. But are you happy? That's the question sometimes people need to ask themselves. Are you happy? Or is this just, you know, are you just doing the same old thing you've always done? The routine. You need to be happy. And if you're not happy, then it starts to affect you. It'll start to affect your partner. It'll start to affect your son or your daughter and uh, you know it's it's tough there's no doubt it's tough but listen to anyone who's who's going through anything like that just now stick with it don't give up crack on and uh, and don't take any bullshit be there for your child um, and do the right things at the right time don't pretend to be a good dad just be a good dad it's very, very easy. So that's kind of where I am with that. I just wanted to touch on that because, you know, I get, you know, I, I talk a lot about fathers um, and I am a massive advocate for fathers, you know. Um, fathers, in my opinion, you know, are just as important as mothers, but they've got to be a good father, not just, uh, you know, a pretend father who, you know, posts shit, making on their good. Uh, again, I see a load of those people who do stuff like that. Um, or I've known a lot of people who do shit like that. Proof's in the pudding. So uh, it's very easy, very easy. So I've got a few friends out there at the minute who who may be struggling. Um, feel free to contact me. Um, we can meet up outside now, so I'm more than happy to come and meet you have a chat, uh, fathers, we're good guys, and it's, you know, we shouldn't be taken for granted, but on the other hand, we shouldn't take our children for granted, yeah, works both ways, right, that was a bit heavy, um, but it's something that I want to touch on because it's close to my heart and I don't like to see people that I care about struggle, and I don't like to see people I care about worry. Um, and if I can do anything to help, I will. Trust me. So as we move on, um, we're going to stick with the, the subject of the the the, the male. And uh, this week we saw a horrific crime uh, of a young lady who was visiting her friend, and uh, she went missing. And unfortunately, um, it's been confirmed that she was murdered. And murdered by a policeman. I mean, that just—it's a mind—it's mind-boggling how someone who is in a profession that is supposed to protect, serve, help you, um, is the one that takes your life. And you know, not through an accidental shooting, not through an accident of you know anything we've seen in America, nothing like that. An actual—you know—he's he's took this woman's life brutally. He's decided to do it. 
and uh, it's it's really really sad to see I feel for that family um, I really really do um, the guy himself you know it's things like this where you think mm, should we bring back the death penalty in the UK is our justice system too soft I think our justice system is way too soft I really do I think you know if our justice system resembled that of America would it reduce the crime in the UK maybe I don't know you know I think the whole PC argument of you know people should be able to re- be re- rehabilitated and it shouldn't be a life for a life. But you know if you go out there and deliberately kill someone, why should you be spared? Why should your life be spared? I think if you are of the mindset that you're going to go and murder someone, then you've taken that risk. You should be murdered yourself. Not murdered. It's the wrong way of saying it. But you should lose your life. I believe that's my opinion. Although opinions this week. You know, seems to be you can't have an opinion this week either. But that's my opinion, you know. It's it's a it's one of those things that divide people. You know, it's oh, you know, it's against your human rights. But your human rights are that you should be able to live your life free, have an opinion, and uh, be able to go about your business without being murdered. Uh, and if someone decides that they're going to take your life, uh, and they do take your life, then why shouldn't they lose their life? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? So this poor woman's lost her life uh, due to a policeman. Um, God knows what's happened. I'm sure it'll all come out um, in the future. But what's really troubled me this week is uh, there's a lot of talk. And I'm sure it's just talk. And I'm sure it's just to try and make people think. But there was someone that mentioned, it was a House of Lords or House of Parliament, they talked about putting a curfew in place so that men had to be home by six o'clock. All men in the UK could not go out after six o'clock at night to make women feel safe. Now that is one big fucking brush uh, that has tarred every single male in this country as dangerous. How can that be possible? How can we, how can someone say a comment like that that makes every male in the United Kingdom a threat. Because that's essentially what it is. Now, I know it was done as a publicity stunt, but it's gathering a bit of momentum where people are like, yeah, yeah, I think it's a great idea. How the fuck would that work? So, you know, if you get stuck in a traffic jam, try to get home, and you don't, you know, it's 6.15. Oh, well, that boy's still out. Fuck him, get him in jail. You know, I know that there's, there is a lot of bad people out there, but I'm saying people, there's a lot of bad men, there's a lot of bad women. You know, women in a group can be just as, just as uh, threatening to a guy, in my opinion. You've got, a, a, you know, not physically, but you've got a group of women, six or seven, you know, from a mental perspective, they can tear a man apart. So... You know, okay, physically, I'm you know a man can. You know, nine times out of ten, could do real harm to a woman. Um, but where's the equality? You know, people going about equality, but where's the equality in this? So men have all been tarred with this brush. And one of the questions I asked on social media yesterday, and no one, a- no one answered it, is, you know, if we. As a, as a population in the United Kingdom um, look at a specific 
person. And I'm saying person here. So not man, not woman, just person. And we form an opinion on them based on something within their religion, within their race, within, you know, that someone else has done. You're classed as racist, you're classed as a bigot, you're classed as all these different things. Um, you know, you're forming an opinion based on something you saw. That person is probably no more likely to do anything evil than, than the next person, but that's, you know, unfortunately that's how uh, human brains, human beings' brains work at times. And we're told that that's wrong. But in this case, all men have to be home by 6pm, according to this person, which it's never going to happen. Fuck me. You can't even do a lockdown. You know, how the fuck are they going to keep potentially 28 million, 28 million, 28 million, sorry, people, men at home? It's just not going to happen. Um, and I saw on social media yesterday, there was quite a few people who were saying, well, I'm a man and I, you know, I don't feel safe walking home at nights sometime because let's be fair some of these gangs or some of these people don't actually care if you're a man or a woman you're a target you're a target and unfortunately evil people will always exist the one thing i would say is you know people should be innocent until proven guilty and comments like you know curfew for all men well you're making us all guilty uh, and it's really stirred up a hornet's nest online. It'll never be, it'll never be implemented. It's 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 impossible to do. Um, I think for me, we've just got to, you know, we've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to be sensible at times we do things. It's just as dangerous for a man to be walking through a dangerous area of a city as a woman. Like I said, a target's a target. Some of these people don't care if they've got a gun. It's just as easy to shoot a man as it is a woman. The bullet will pass through their body exactly the same. It's just as easy to hit someone with a baseball bat. Men, women, skulls break the same way. So, uh, you know, we need to be sensible about what we're talking about here. And take a sensible approach. It's horrific what's happened to that woman. Um, but, you know, how much men die every day due to violence. So, again, it's worth, it's worth thinking about it, you know. It's really, really worth thinking about. Um, we seem to be judging all books by their covers as far as men go. It sounds like a really pro-male show, but uh, I, I promise you it's not. Um, I really do feel for for that woman and do feel for women in general who are not who are not safe, whether that be at home, whether that be walking down the street. Um, but I think we need to look at it from a, through a different lens and say... To some people, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You will be attacked. They just don't care. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, I suppose we'll see what the fallout of this is. I, I do feel for that poor woman's family. And, you know, um, if I was in charge of this country, I'd be uh, pushing for uh, whoever that dude was to get uh, a lethal injection or, or some sort. Because I believe that, you know, if you're truly that evil and you want to make that decision to take someone's life, then uh, your life should be up for grabs. But again, it's a debate that rages on, isn't it? There's opinions on it. Like I said this week, your opinion can actually get you in trouble. So, uh, you never know, I might get a knock at the door from someone saying, how dare you um, state your opinion. So, moving on to... <laughs> moving on to opinions. 
Meghan and Harry's interview this week. I'm assuming most people will have watched it. I watched it and uh, <clears throat> I asked Laura if she wanted to watch it and Laura said no um, because she felt it would make her angry. Now, I, th I think I need to start this off by saying I'm not a royalist. Um, I, in no way, shape or form, are one of these, you know, people who, you know, run down to London or out to Balmoral with a little flag and wave it and, you know, my, my brain's a very simple thing. Uh, I look at people and I see a human being. I see two eyes, I see a mouth, I see a person. Um, I don't see the status of them. So it doesn't, you know, I don't look at someone and go, oh, that's such and such. Because at the end of the day, we all sit down to take a shit. You know, we're no different. Um, somewhere in the past, you know, these people have been you know, it's been decided that they are of royal blood. Their blood's not any better than mine. You know, if we were to go and, uh, if we were to go and uh, give blood to a blood transfusion, their blood's not going to solve any diseases. It ain't going to solve, it ain't going to cure cancer, it ain't going to cure diabetes, is it? It's blood. Um, it's just that, you know, history has told us that we've put these people on a pedestal and they are <laughs> the creme de la creme de la creme, um, but they're no different to me. They've just got more money due to you know the status and titles that they've got. But you know, who's to say my blood is actually not better than theirs? But anyway, I'm not a royalist. Um, there's a lot of people in the country who are. Um, I think the Queen does a great job. You know, I think. We've taken a lot of tourism, but I don't I don't get the whole monarchy thing. I don't understand why we put these people on pedestals. But they are, they're there. And uh, they were there before I was born and they'll be there but you know, after I die. Um But, you know, if you look at Harry, you know, Harry had a traumatic childhood. Uh, he's married this uh, this girl Megan. They wanted to leave they wanted to leave the royal family because they wanted to forage their own life, they want to make their own money, they don't want to be you know, reliant on this but when you watch that interview pardon me, that interview is like it's so bizarre, it's like you know, we, we didn't want to be in the public eye you don't want to be in the public eye, but you've then went on Oprah Winfrey's show probably one of the most famous interviewers in the last 30 or 40 years, and you went on her show, but you don't want to be in the public eye what you're doing, you know you're not doing a very good job of remaining invisible if you go and open one free. And yes, they wanted their voice to be heard. But if you didn't want to be in the public eye, surely you'd just shut the fuck up and not say anything. What did they what did they what did they really need to go on that show for? Why did we need to know all that? Because all it did was wind people up. They had a thirty-two million pound wedding, and they're sitting on that show in a billionaire's house crying, bitching about certain things, that you would be like, surely the fuck, you have got more things to worry about than this shit that's happened. I mean, one of the comments from, from that Megan was, she didn't understand what the job was. Well, let's, wait a minute, you've married in a royal family. I'm pretty sure, you know, 
put it like this. If I was going to go for a job interview, I would do a bit of research about the company I was going to see. Now, the Royals aren't really a company, but they are an institution. So if you were dating Prince Harry, and this is maybe where, you know, she's a bit kind of up herself. If you were dating Prince Harry, surely you would go and maybe learn a bit about the Royals, learn a bit about their history, you know, understand that you need to curtsy in front of the Queen, that's all the kind of things you need to do. She didn't learn anything. She was just like so gone with the fairies, it was unbelievable. And I listened to her say, um, and I actually rewound it to listen to it again, she said, in my last job, if we had a problem, we went to HR. And also we had a union. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You've married into a family first and foremost. What makes you think there's going to be a union there? And more often, what makes you think HR is going to be there? So, hang on, Queenie said something that I don't think was correct. So I really want to put a grievance in against her. That's what it sounded like. It just sounded so contractual from her bit, from her, from her, uh, from her mindset. And then I was listening to, you know, there's that whole comment about, you know, the, the, the skin colour of the baby. And that's what I think set, well, you know, that and the, the mental health. Now, I'm not going to sit here and trash uh, Meghan Markle on her mental health. If she says that's what she was feeling, that's what she was feeling. I've got my own opinion um, on that and I'm not going to share it on here because I think it's wrong. Um, I talk about it in private and that's where it'll stay. But there was a, a, let me put it like this, there's a lot of stuff that she said that I don't believe. Uh, and I'm not going to pinpoint what I don't believe, but I think that interview was done and that interview was done for ratings, that interview was done to make a mockery of the royal family and to cause as much damage as possible. That's that's my opinion. Um, whether what was said about uh, Archie, her son, um, and the colour of his skin, whether what was said about her mental health, you know, who knows? You know, you've got you've got to take her at her word. Um, but if someone was to tell you, you know, you sitting in a pub and you're listening to your pal and your pal's telling you something, do you do you believe everything they tell you, or would you turn around and say, oh mate, that's a load of horseshit. That's fucking bullshit. I know I have. I've got a fair few, a fair few pals who like to, you know, uh, add a little bit of, you know, uh, add a little story on to their story, which is just absolute nonsense. And you can tell, you can tell when someone's lying. But you know, I just there's a lot of stuff about that interview I didn't believe. I think you know, saying they got married three days before it, you know, I think you've got to have two witnesses for that to happen, they only had one, so how is that possible? There's just so much stuff that's came out now that, that suggests that, you know, it, it was it was lies, and then they, they said that, that it wasn't rehearsed, it was clearly rehearsed, Jesus Christ, if you've ever been in any kind of interview and someone asks you a question, most of the time there's a moment of pause till you think about the answer. Megan, I'm afraid, was uh, far too quick in answering these questions. Far too quick in answering these questions. Um, it was scripted. It was planned. It was rehearsed. That's my belief. What I've saw this week is that obviously the fallout with Piers Morgan, and you know, his that's his opinion. He said he doesn't believe anything that comes out of her mouth, and he's he's had to leave his job 
because he has said, I don't believe you. And be, bear in mind that, you know, some of the stuff she's talking about, she's just saying, right, this is my truth. And that's a really scary thing now, is it my truth? There's my truth and there's the truth. But my truth nowadays is becoming, actually, I could walk out here and say, right, you know what? I've just left my cabin. I've been trying to walk back into the house and I was mauled by a mountain lion. No, you weren't, John. No, I absolutely was. That's my truth. Are you telling me my truth is incorrect? And suddenly by saying something like that, you know, you're putting people on the back foot. Even though it's the biggest pile of shite. I mean, I'm in Newton Hill. There's no mountain lions around here. There's a couple of cats. But I could pretty much say anything now and put that, you know, my truth behind it. And that's it. No facts, no evidence. You know, that's it. No facts, no evidence, nothing. All you've got to do nowadays is say something and say, that's my truth. And you can get someone in a load of shit. So that interview, it really annoyed me. I came off there annoyed. I finished watching it and I was annoyed because I didn't see the purpose to it. And Harry, I mean, we're talking about a young guy here, you know, whose mother died in a horrific way. Um, he's He was, you know, of all the royals, I think a lot of people seen him as the most relatable. Um, like somebody you would see down the pub and have a chat with. And, and looking at him in that interview, he's just looked... He looked shattered. He just looked a shadow of what you'd saw previously. At one point, he even tried to speak, and she shushed him. She shushed him and told him to shut up, basically. Um, I think he's... I, I think he's generally been either mind-warped or brainwashed or something. I'll be interested in seeing five years that they're still together. Um, I don't think they will be. I generally don't think we'll, they will be. I think it'll be over, and uh, he'll come crawling back home. But, you know, some of his comments were bizarre, like, oh, you know, the, I don't want to be part of the royal family, but, uh, you know, we were willing to do half, we were willing to do some stuff in Canada um, when we wanted to, but we wanted full security, but we didn't want any money. We were willing to make our own lives, but we still wanted security. And people knew we were in Canada. So, you know, my location was uh, available to people. I had no idea it was in Canada, to be honest with you. I'm sure there's nutters out there who did, but I had no idea it was in Canada. Like I said, the royals don't matter that much to me, but that interview was a was a ball buster. And uh, it's painted the royals in a really bad way. They, you know, they've tried to make them look racist. They've tried to make them look uncaring. With, with no real evidence apart from someone saying it's so. And while that's got its own merits, you know, surely... If that was to go in a court of law, you'd have to, it'd have to be more than I said so. You'd have to have some data. You'd have to have something tangible to say, look, this is exactly what happened. And there's a lot more stuff coming out now that I think that they're being, you know, they're actually being challenged on it now. I think this, the, the royals really, really need to think about what they're doing when they do these interviews. Because Prince Andrew did his interview and it was a disaster. They've done their interview and I think it's a disaster. Again, just my opinion. Um, and while we're still allowed to have opinions, uh, you know, that's my one. So, uh, we'll see where it goes. I don't think it's finished yet. I do not think it's finished yet. So, um, what else for this week? We're, we're up to almost 40 minutes. Um, so, a few weeks ago I was saying that, you know, I'd lost, I'd, I'd kind of fallen out of love with Aberdeen. 
um, due to Derek McInnes. Um, and listen, while they've done a fabulous job at Aberdeen for eight years, won as a trophy, we've been in Europe a few times, but we've never actually made it into the group stages of the Europa, which I find disappointing. Uh, eventually, uh, he paid the price for his poor results and I suppose lack of lack of ability to change that team um, by losing his job, him and, him and Tommy Doherty. So, you know, I wish him well uh, and I thank him for bringing a bit of pride back to Aberdeen because we're a, you know, Aberdeen City's got about 280,000 people and, and the Shire are probably about the same. So it's a big club, you know, it's got a big, it can have a big following. It, it could be, it's a sleeping giant at times, you know, talking about over half a million people that could potentially support this team if it got the right backing and had the right results and the right stadium and, and all those types of things. So um, he's gone. Um, and I don't know, the rest of the season for me is a write-off. I think for, for, the, for the Aberdeen side of things, it's a write-off. I, 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 hopefully the team do well. I'm more interested in now in, in who they're going for. And I keep hearing, I hope it's not true, Stephen Glass. Now, Stephen Glass was a former f- football player for Aberdeen, great player. Um, and he manages Atlanta United too, uh, which obviously the chairman, Dave McCormack, has got ties to. He's had no real experience, as far as I'm concerned, of managing a premiership team, no real experience of managing the Scottish League, and he's looking at, apparently, Scott Brown, the Celtic captain, as his number two. Now, this is either going to be a stroke of genius, or it's going to be a fucking disaster. In my mind, it's going to be a fucking disaster. I really hope I'm wrong, but I've got a bad, bad feeling about this. For me, if you're looking to move on Aberdeen Football Club, you need to start looking at other things. So, look at Gerard for Rangers. They won the league. Fair play to them. Well done. They've been absolutely fantastic this year and continue to be brilliant. It's really hard to say that, but you can't take it away from them. right? You cannot take it away from them. So, you've got Frank Lampard, who managed Derby and he managed Chelsea. Would he be interested in coming to Aberdeen? Would the, would, would the finances be right for him? He, you know, Derby wasn't a team that spent a lot of money. If he wants to cut his teeth and, and, and understand what understand how to be a manager, would Aberdeen be a good job for him where he can just focus on tactics and man management? Maybe. Maybe. So should we be looking at someone like that who's you know, was a great player, he's obviously had a couple of a couple of jobs, he's out of it just now. Could we go for him? Could we go for Duncan Ferguson Everton? Did a great job at Everton. You know, he's in Everton just now, he loves Everton, but could we say to him, right, listen, come up here, become Aberdeen's manager, it's yours to do. Could we look at him? Could we look at someone who's actually got experience of managing a team on the UK? God, I hope we do. Um, you know, and if the manager comes in, I'm sure he'll get the support of all the fans. You've got to give him time. But he's got to get the backing of the, of the, of the chairman. Dave McCormack's got to back him. You've got to back him. You can't be doing what he did with McInnes. You cannot keep selling your, your best players and replacing the Maloney signings because the, the churn of the team will be no good. There's got to be consistency, you only win things with consistency, you look at Liverpool, look at Man City they're consistent, the nucleus of the team is the same, whereas our team keeps changing, we need to build for the future so I'm, ex- I'm excited and nervous at the same time to see what happens with that um, I guess we'll see but I really, I, god damn it, I really hope that if there's other options out there, we go for them first I, I, I don't want to be like I said, it could be a stroke of genius. It could be a stroke of genius. God knows. Anyway, um, so weight loss. How's the weight loss going? Still exercising. Last few days, not so much. 
Um, felt a little bit under the weather, no COVID, so no temperature, no cough, but more like a head cold, like just kind of in behind my eyes. Felt like someone was there trying to pop them out of my skull. So uh, it's been it's been not a great day, or not a couple of great days. So we went for walks, um, you know, because you don't want to stop everything altogether. So we went for a couple of walks. Went for a walk this morning around the, around the village, and that was about three and a half miles. Um, and uh, then, like I said, Connor's into basketball just now. So we got him a basketball, and then I went out to the court with him and, and played a little one-on-one. So today I've done something like 14,000 or no, 15,000 steps, six miles. Um, so it's been good. I've, I've felt really energetic today. Um, and in total, since October last year, I've lost 12 kilograms. Um, I'm still not telling you my weight, um, but t-shirts are getting looser. Uh, I bought myself a jumper that uh, fits me pretty good. It doesn't look like uh, I'm hiding shit up it, or I'm running for a shop with loads of bags of crisps. So I'm, I'm, I am feeling better, um, and that has a got that'll have a huge part to play, I suppose, in, in my mental health. So the, the walks around Newton Hill have been very good. We went down by the beach the last couple of days, and you, you know, bad weather earlier on this year. There was a couple of landslides there, and you can see that some of the gardens of other of people have washed away. It's quite it's quite amazing to see. Uh, on your doorstep, some of these things. So uh, Sully's knackered. He's inside, absolutely shattered. Um, he's walked. He's you know he's done about six seven miles in the last couple of days as well. So weight loss is going well. So much so that while I'm doing this, Laura's inside, uh, trying to t- doing a bit more exercise because she's like, well, I've not done much today. And I was like, well, you've, we've walked three and a half, three three and a half miles. She goes, yeah, but you've been around at the park and you know you're up to six miles now, playing basketball, running about and. You've burnt like a thousand calories or something. She goes, so I'm, I'm going to go and work out upstairs in the CrossFit and the bike and the boxing and, and get a bit more uh, bit more exercise in while you do your podcast. So um, hopefully she'll be done by the time I go back in because that's us up to almost 46 minutes now. So um, I think the final thing I'll say to, to all any or any mothers who listen to this is uh, tomorrow is Mother's Day in the United Kingdom. Um, I hope all you mothers out there are treated well by your uh, husband or your fiance or your partner or whoever it may be. I hope you have an absolutely brilliant day tomorrow and uh, get the day of rest that you all so richly deserve. Um, I know that uh, Laura will be getting treated tomorrow, you know, feet up and we will uh, run around her uh, like busy little bees making sure she's really, really chilled out. Um, She'll not have to lift a finger. So, uh, all this exercise, we're actually looking at having uh, a takeaway meal tomorrow night. So we're trying to burn as much calories as we can. So um, if we have a takeaway meal tomorrow night for Laura and Mother's Day, um, we're not actually doing anything to harm our, uh, harm our, uh, our dieting. So it's been a really good week. It's been a really good week. And I've, you know, that's 46 minutes it's passed. I, I'm actually at a blur at what I've even said here. So I'm going to have to listen to this pack. I might have to do it again. I don't know. I have no fucking idea what I've been saying. 47 minutes of pure nonsense. Ah, oh, well, you know, some of these podcasts are uh, absolutely brilliant. You have no idea what you've said. So, um, to everyone who listens, thank you again. It's been uh, it's been interesting. The world is a crazy place just now, people. Um, I really want to stop the world and get off. I might go. And, I might see if little Musk want, Elon Musk wants to come on my shitey little podcast. And uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I said I didn't want to leave the planet, but. If the planet keeps going the way it is and all the stupid things that you're suggesting and saying and 
punishing people for and trying to catch people out on st- you know maybe a trip to Mars would be the best interests where we can just start again and you know have conversations have debates have opinions um, crazy stop the world people I want to get off anyway it's Saturday it's uh, what time is it it's five past five it's nearly tea time so I hope when you listen to this you've had a great weekend um, and I hope you have a very productive and safe week um, from me and the family thank you and goodbye <laughs>